0: Hello there, this is Cody Meeks. this is Cole. We were a little late this week. We missed last week, but it was for something urgent.
1: Yes, see, we had all the best intentions to record last week, but something kind of got in the way.
0: Yeah. Bachelor party. And we were going to do a special episode with uh, John Stamos. We've already said
1: his name on the show. (laughs) But...
0: Uh, Yeah, but... He didn't want to do it. We were also going to do another special thing that we will unveil later because we're still definitely going to do that one.
1: Yeah. Wait, what's sure the other special thing? No. It
0: starts with Zaxby's. <laughs>
1: it starts with Zaxby's?
0: <laughs> and ends with Zaxby's. Nice. <laughs> I'm on board. Anyways, so we'll do that one later. And there will be a video portion that you can also watch or you can just listen to it. But we'll do that Wait, Whichever. Yeah, whichever form of media you prefer.
1: You oh, know? yeah. Now I remember what you're talking about.
0: Through your mouth or through your ears. However you like to taste your fine wine, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. A person I personally love
0: pouring a, a Chardonnay into my ear hole. <laughs> there you
1: go. It's it's good that that was a joke you went with because that was exactly the one that I was going to do. So I'm glad See, I backed off.
0: I saw you were about to do that and I was like, oh, I got to get it before he does. I hope mm-hmm. Chardonnay is a type of wine.
1: <laughs> it is. You, you You got it in one at least.
0: And I'm glad I said it right, because if I tried to say another type of wine, like there's one that's P-I-N-O-T, and I always pronounce that wrong.
1: It's uh, Pinot.
0: See, I always think it's like Pinot. It, it's, it's yeah, it's Pinot. But I went with Chardonnay, it worked out. So today we are going to discuss, I think the the major theme here is going to be the importance of local history. Obviously, we teach you you know world history and u.s history i don't but we as in society teaches local history or not local history sorry u.s history world history you know stuff like that maybe Mm. you do a a state history i know we did a georgia history thing yeah i think every state has to do that more local i'm talking about your local town why is it even there you know is Mm. that important should be important (laughs) oh
1: whoa hold on sorry is that not the point we're making
0: no i don't think so (laughs) Or just, like, you know, some significant things. I think everybody should know significant things about their hometown. Yeah. like uh, Some cities may be easier, i.e. the bigger cities, Atlanta, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that goes there. But there can be some hidden gems from the smaller towns. Mm-hmm. And even Especially, Atlanta, like, the
1: smaller stuff around Atlanta.
0: Yeah, I'll say even in Atlanta, there's, like, smaller areas that have important things that many Atlanteans or, you know, other big cities' mm-hmm. uh, equivalents don't know, right? Yeah. So, obviously, we're going to use some anecdotes here, but, you know, feel free to look into your own history and, you know, find your own local history that excites you. It doesn't really have to excite you, but you should know it. Um, so, also, how should you preserve it? You know, what's the best way of preserving that local history? Mm-hmm. Even if it's not the best history, you know, should you preserve it? And how should you do it? So, we're just going to go with our example from Milledgeville. Yeah. So, in Milledgeville, it used to be the largest insane asylum in the world. Was it really the world? Maybe not the world, but definitely the U.S.
1: Yeah, it was definitely in the United States.
0: Um, At one point in time, it was the largest. Um, and there, as you may know, there aren't that many insane asylums left, if any. I don't know if there's technically a true insane asylum left.
1: Yeah, I don't... This, the... Um... They may the have just changed names yeah. yeah,
0: because there's a, there's definitely a bad connotation with uh, insane asylums.
1: Well, I mean, even then it was Central State mm-hmm. Hospital at the time.
0: Yeah, but yes, everybody referred to it as insane asylum.
1: Yeah, and that's unfortunately what Milledgeville is most known for, um, or at least...
0: I would say especially the generation before us, they've heard of that, maybe not yeah. our generation. It,
1: it was quite literally like a thing that like, hey, you better behave or else we're going to send you to Milledgeville or something like that. And like I would be working in uh, Delanaga and have people like tra- like coming in and like, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Millagel, and they're like, Oh yeah, are you one of
0: the crazies? Did
1: they let you out? Like stuff like that. Um, yeah. So now nowadays, uh, a lot of the uh, hospital is shut down, uh, abandoned, etc. And yeah, like, do should we preserve that? Should we? acknowledge that i'm on the side of yes but more of in the sense of like kind of a reminder Uh, we should remember this
0: yes Um, maybe not celebrate it but yeah i don't think you necessarily have to celebrate history in order to want to preserve it i think Mm. you can want to preserve something just so you i mean that's kind of the whole point of history to learn from previous mistakes essentially you know Mm. um Think about the ancient Greeks, you know? They had irrigation, basically. They had canals and everything. It's like, wow, that was a really great idea. They also kind of, you know, pooped in the same water. That was a bad idea, So right? we can, like, cut out...
1: <laughs> we can do, like, half of this idea. Yeah, uh, We so, just don't need to commit. Yeah. Anyways,
0: but Now, so, Milledgeville
1: also uh, used to be the capital of the state of Georgia. Uh, it wasn't until it was moved uh, at a later date, but it was in the path of Sherman when, uh, he was going, uh, when marched to the sea. United States civil war, march marched to sea, go to capture Savannah and such. Uh, Mildjul was in the way and, uh, was uh, largely burned down. Uh, you know, there's, there's kind of a, there's a decent amount to it. It's still just kind of a town out in the middle of nowhere, but like it has all this, uh, stuff about it.
0: Yeah. It has a, it has a lot of history for such a small town. Um, But I think if you looked into your own town, you would find some interesting history. But so for the case of the insane asylum, you know, that was uh, that was a place where people all over the state of Georgia and even different parts of the country would send their relatives who were considered, you know, somehow unfit for society just because the way they act. You know, nowadays, it might have just been, you know, bipolar. It could have just been uh, a very harsh case of anxiety. You know, they might have sent a relative out here for something like that.
1: Or people that they didn't want to uh, operate in society because they either knew something or they had something on them. Like, by and large, you know, Get rid the of hospital enemy. operated. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the, the hospital did operate with the best of intentions as much as they could, at least given their context. Like, looking back, obviously, the best of intentions looks a little funny now, but um, it, it became, like, they were the... They were, a cent- they were in a centralized location, and a lot of the hospitals, air quote hospitals, outside of the rim, like, you know, in smaller, more rural areas, they would send a lot of their excess, say if they were, uh, you know, overbooked as far as beds go, they would start sending people to Central State, and Central State largely started to not have enough money to continue operating, uh, and of course, when you start running out of money to operate, you start cutting corners, and... And once, or, it, and they had an open door pro- policy too, that you could just bring people in, and
0: people, so if, you, who, if you didn't want to deal with a relative, like, I mean, nowadays you may have like, uh, you know, those. a relative that had a stroke or something, and you know, it takes a lot of effort to take care of them. Back then, you know, you may have taken a relative just to an insane asylum to kind of drop them off. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and like, they would sit there and like, hey, you got to pay for this. But not a lot of people were keen to pay for it. Or maybe a lot of people couldn't pay for it. So it wasn't exactly a... I'm not going to say profitable, but it wasn't a very sustainable uh, business. And as, you know, years went on and staff got short and um, board of directors changed, maybe some less savory folk were put into power. And this is when you started getting the, we'll take anybody. And political prisoners, etc., cetera, uh, would start, you know, showing up there, too.
0: And not so much a medical or scientific pursuit, but more of a money-making. So this thing uh, was started in 1837, so mm. a long time ago. Now, also part of the history that I know of is that they had, like, cotton fields and everything um, on the premises. And, you know, even after they abolished slavery, they would basically use these... Uh, patients kind of as slave labor you know they would spin it as you know they're doing manual labor that's good for their mental health or whatever but they would make them pick cotton and then they would sell the cotton
1: yeah to try to fund the well the operations um it was a point that i was going to make and i completely forgot it so i'll be back it's all
0: right i'll jump in uh and then also this was the this was that part of time where you know mental health was very unknown so a lot of the strategies to battle mental health were very exper- experimental at the time like this was the time of lobotomies and such um, for a reference the first patient uh, was Tillman B of Bibb County who arrived in December of 1842 and then he died of what they called maniacal exhaustion before the next summer
1: Maniacal
0: exhaustion? That's what this uh, article says. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, it's also got kind of a dark history for the, you know, the early parts of mental health, which were largely experimental. Like, oh, we should shock them and see what this does.
1: Yeah. And, And, again, like, uh, once they wired electricity to the building, yeah, they were just kind of keen on using. Yeah, it I'll say maybe anybody. not in
0: 1847 they weren't shocking people, but <laughs> yeah,
1: but it, it definitely was a um, not exactly savory part of uh, millennial history, nor even in medical history. And you know, by and large, we can say now that the the facility is closed and is now operating as a place for kids to go. I guess trespass and see what's going on at air quote haunted location, and I think I'm remembering my my point. They did have a small like obviously, people who did not continue to um, survive their stay at the hospital, air quote hospital. Uh, they were a lot of these people were either I mean nameless or yeah, I think they have a large nameless forgotten. graveyard like they they had a a, like a medium-sized nameless graveyard but there are countless like uh, i mean countless unmarked graves like all through millageville like in that in that side of millageville because like well
0: yeah to be fair a lot of them are civil war (laughs) i mean that too Uh, but soldiers i don't know if you were talking about all the graveyards or just like the mental
1: no i'm talking Like, like literally just the people who have came and went to the uh, Central State Hospital, quote Hospital, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of a real grim part of Millville's history. And yeah, and I
0: think specifically the dark parts of the, uh, kind of like the experimental stuff, was more so in like 30s, 40s, and 50s, and that's like particularly when they were getting uh, out-resourced, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's saying here in the article that in the 50s, they were, they had a, ratio of one you know doctor to 100 patients yeah so you can imagine like if you had an unruly patient it's like all right give them some sedation next mm -hmm. patient
1: (laughs) it it definitely is uh they were outnumbered and outstaffed and underfunded it's it's kind of a big mixed bag of now i can't say that if they were properly staffed the treatment would have been much better but uh you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. But, I mean, as horrible as this stuff is, I mean, I think it should be preserved. Mm. Not as something to celebrate, but as just something, you know, you you one, you have to understand that these things happened. You can't just ignore things that happened. Mm-hmm. I think it's good to understand that it happened, understand that it was wrong, you know, and how is it evolving? So that's why I think, like, a really cool way to preserve this piece of history at Millgeville would be to take one of these abandoned buildings, refurbish it, keep it in its old look and everything. If you could refurbish some of the instruments and tools they used to use, and you basically if you had like a walk through time where it's like, oh, this is how it started this is what people used to do, mm. you know, this was largely experimental and, you know, treatment of people was horrible, it was wrong. And, you know, it started evolving, blah blah blah. And here is mental health today. This is where we stand, you know, what have we learned? What do we still want to learn? How do we treat it today? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that, you know?
1: Yeah, turn into, like, a little museum and, like you said, a walk through time, almost like the agorama down in uh, Tifton or whatever. Yeah, and and I think it
0: gives you a large respect for, you know, maybe those suffering from mental health or it gives you a large respect of how far we've come, you know?
1: Yeah, like... I think, by and large, that would be the best way to do this, because if folks, like, say if folks of Millijil, the people who are important and would make this kind of decision, are worried about people, like, trespassing on the property and, like, they want to keep people away from it, then probably doing this will make it a safer location. Yeah, if you make Um, it
0: a museum, nobody's going to want to go to it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there you go.
1: Um, It might ironically be just as underfunded as (laughs) it was back in the day.
0: Start enforcing slave labor onto the uh, hotel guides,
1: <laughs> and like it would, I think it would be interesting to do that because of the fact that um, it would force it would force someone in vialle to acknowledge mental health, um, and how important it is. Uh, so there might be like a a pushback against that, but alternatively, I do think that that would be a really cool idea. I don't know what would have to happen to get there, obviously, but um,
0: probably some sort of large grant from the state.
1: <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Um, yeah, but, but I
0: mean, I think I—I th- I mean, they do have like a nice, like their main building is a nice, like grand building. I remember we used to do Christmas parades around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it'd make a great museum.
1: Yeah, like it's definitely like it used to be a large and beautiful facility. Um, or at least... Pecan trees everywhere. Yeah, like, from records of it, um, large still and beautiful, pecan rather. Trees. <laughs> yeah, there's still, uh, pecan trees. So, we
0: always crack them open and eat them while we're, uh, while we're waiting on the, um, uh, march to start, you know? Christmas yeah. Parade.
1: Now, there is, um, a science, or there is also the opposite, where maybe the wrong part of history is, uh, preserved. Or not necessarily wrong, but just kind of, uh... i'll just get to the point Uh, there's also a city in uh, georgia called helen and helen is up in north georgia and say it's designed to be a like a cute little german alpine village and in which like the the wooden buildings the curved roofs stuff like that and um
0: yeah the the plaster with the exposed exposed tinder and all that exactly and it's german could be austrian well, they tout themselves <laughs> yeah, as German,
1: but uh yeah they do <laughs> they're they're trying to look like a Bavarian village et cetera and and like the thing is like, oh well, Germans settled here, and here's here's our little village, and we've got beer houses and fudge and et cetera, and like I can't tell you how accurate that is because yes, like there is a a uh, record of German immigration in like Northern Georgia, particularly in the valleys as in as different people came into Boston and then went down the the Appalachian valleys and such more people would kind of be pushed down the valley. And eventually, yeah, Germans did end up here uh, or, or uh, a, a subsect of German immigrants ended up here. But by and large, it was just a, lar- uh, a timber valley that was purchased by a company. Railroads were laid to, and they came in, cut all the timber, got what they wanted, didn't clear out the land uh, appropriately from brush. They left, uh, pulled up the railroads when they left. The, um, all the brush, of course, dry summers, you know, uh, caught fire, the entire valley burned. And then now you got an entire like little river valley that completely you can't, stripped for you, any resources you can't do anything with it. So the the um, the timber company, not really wanting to be responsible for this, they sold it pennies on the dollar uh, to the Georgia state government to do something with. And eventually, somebody was like, "Oh well, we'll turn it into a little alpine village." And this was in like the nine like the 1900s, literally the 20th century when this was decided. So, it's like, and it's a tourist trap. Like, it's not really a, like, is it a place that a lot of, like, people go and, air quote, celebrate German culture by drinking stupid amounts of beer and stuff like that? Yeah. But now it's kind of more of a, they, all that money is not used to really improve on the city. There's no, there are no street lights in this town. Um, it tends to attract kind of folk who kind of come in and again get rowdy because of all the beer and such and there's property damage and stuff and the the town hasn't because of their wanting to hold on to this traditional air quote traditional air quote german village uh aesthetic they there is no real remodeling done there it's it's
0: yeah because it's, it's probably like in a covenant if you would are you know have your business somewhere within this limit you probably are forced to do that aesthetic. Yeah, and yeah, and probably costs
1: more. Yeah. Now, I, now, am I saying like we should abandon the German aesthetic to move forward? No, like, but I think like something could be done to like update it because there's really not a lot to do in Helen. Like, you can tube in the river, you can drink a lot, walk or, down the main strip, get some fudge. Yeah, walk down the main strip, go t- to countless shit shops of just like gaudy t-shirts yeah. and stuff back and just forth
0: peruse through the uh tourist trap shop and then that's
1: about it i mean like you can leave helen and go like hiking and nearby. go check like go to Brasstown bald go check that out and go to the various towns nearby but to be honest there's really not a whole lot to do in that town and you know it's like we could improve on it to kind of make it to where it's less seasonal because like the summer people come up for like tubing and then in the fall people come up for Oktoberfest. and then like after that it's just kind of like not a whole lot going on because in the winter you can't tube and then what you're gonna walk you're gonna walk the strip multiple times whatever it's a cool town to go in and like do nothing at but you have to acknowledge that you're gonna go in and like like our families would go up and get like a little duplex thing and we would hang out and like start fires and play board games and stuff like that and that was fun. Like don't get me wrong, that was absolutely fun. Um but unless you're doing that as a family thing, then it's kinda not really you know. Um Yeah,
0: I was about to say it's uh it does I I can't lie, it holds a nostalgic place for me. We did go there a lot and I, I did enjoy it very much as a kid. Um and I do think it's a nice place where you kind of, you know, spend family time together mm. because it is kind of boring. Uh, after the, but when you're a kid, it's kind of you're in amazement because you're like, "Oh, it's a little German town. That's cool." But as you get older, you realize it's just a, a tourist trap. Yeah, and, and, I, and I do think it's very much the case of like, it's not preserving history at all. It's more like where you're sweeping history under the rug and giving us cover.
1: Yeah, and it's like it's hardly like. It could be, like, an Appalachian village. Or it, we could actually touch on the real, like, who actually did settle this valley. You know what I mean? Like, we could actually touch on that. And, like, it, now, I'm not saying, like, make it into an Appalachian village a la, like, <laughs> Dolly. Like, yeah, just turn into, like, a gaudy, like, people up there playing banjos and, like... 'Cause even then, like the hillbilly aesthetic, that's also not exactly super accurate to who lives in Appalachia too. But
0: Yeah, I'll say Delonica, I mean it's it's pretty cool. And it's I would say it's pretty accurate. There was a mini gold rush there. Yeah. But man, they cling on to that gold rush hard though.
1: <laughs> they do, because if they <laughs> because if they don't hold on to that, we have to acknowledge the the questionable actions made by people to move a certain other people off of the property so that other people could live here
0: talking about like Cherokee Indians yeah
1: absolutely it's the start of the Trail of Tears yeah and the county that we live in Lumpkin Governor Lumpkin was a real real big asshole like I'm just (laughs) like historically like it's like if
0: he listens to the podcast
1: I hope not (laughs) He, this a, a I don't, I don't cover, think we right? broadcast to hell, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but, needless to say, that uh, the South is not really short of its questionable history, and it becomes like a tough topic to like. Do do we preserve it? Because we, you run into the risk of like, if we preserve it, people might not get the right message out of
0: it. I'll say there, there's definitely, obviously, with Civil War monuments and stuff. I do think we should preserve it but at the same time there's definitely we I I acknowledge that there are groups who preserve it in a celebratory manner. Mhm. You know which it's a it's definitely a touchy subject cuz I do not think we should celebrate slavery but at the same time you know I don't mind necessarily if they're celebrating, you know, battle valor, I guess. Mhm. And that even still sounds kind of wrong if you say it, you know, uh, it could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. But I could see wanting to keep it for a sign of, you know, people were fighting for what they believed in. hmm A lot, mostly slavery, but. Yeah. Uh, there's a sense of battle valor there, which is kind of, to me, like a, almost like a separate entity than, like, necessarily what they were fighting for, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Battle Valor's kind of always been recognized. Yeah. But there's definitely, there's definitely a touchy subject, whether you should preserve it or not. I definitely think you should preserve it. Maybe not necessarily in a celebratory manner. And you definitely should condone those groups who do it in a... They twist it in a celebratory racist manner. Mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely groups like that will take advantage of and misuse the statues and misrepresent it, really. Yeah, and and to be honest... Because at like, the time... Well, let me just slip this in. I was going to say, at the time... I mean, you have to understand they built these not as like, oh, we love slavery. It was more like, oh, we lost a really horrible... You know, we lost it all. I mean, there's a whole reconstruction error after this. There was lots of small towns. Like, Millville itself was largely, you know... Burned down, destroyed. So, you know, it was almost like they would build these out of respect for the journalists who were, you know, fighting on their side and also just, you know, kind of, you know, we don't like the North because they just burnt down a lot of our towns.
1: <laughs> My only counterpoint to that is like, yes, there's a Reconstruction period after that and then the New South especially. But a lot of the, just to kind of go back to the monument subject just for a moment, is that a large part of these monuments are were built in the 1960s.
0: Yeah, I was about to reiterate to that too. A lot of the monuments were built in Jim Crow law era and and civil rights era. And it was right after. As a punch to racial progress. Yeah, like
1: you think you're making progress. Well, here's all these statues showing that nothing has changed in the South. And like, yeah. So those I'm perfectly okay with getting rid of. I was
0: going to say, so let me reiterate my point. The, The statues that were actually put forth you know, 1800s, right after the Civil War, I can see ones put forth in 50s, 60s, as a direct like, punch towards like maybe those extension. little
1: signs that say like this used to be a battlefield, like the hist- like you know which ones I'm talking about, you specifically or the statues
0: that are in the graveyards that were put there, yeah, you know, stuff like that,
1: like marking graves and stuff like that, like. Obviously, like again, you're always gonna have to be careful about that because if you on if you put something for someone to go to, you run the risk of that becoming a pilgrimage point. It's yeah, yeah, you do. And 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 like this is this has kind of been a thing in multiple cultures and multiple religions that if you it if you honor a site then you run the risk of it becoming more worshipped than the original thing that the site was supposed to honor. And then it becomes kind of idolized. And like I'm quite literally going to say, in every culture this is an issue, and this is why the issue of this very important building was blown up in the name of X religion, and it's because that building was starting to become more worshipped or that location was becoming more worshipped then again, the thing that the building was supposed to worship. I'm not. I'm not apologizing for, or, or I'm not going to apologize for people who decided to cause structural damage. But that that just kind of clarifies <laughs> that a little bit. But
0: yeah. So I, I mean, it's definitely a precarious subject on certain things. Um, like I'm all I for mean,
1: preserving history and learning from it, but I'm also on the side. Do of, I don't. I, won't, I don't want people to get the wrong message from it. And, like, yeah, yeah that is hearsay. Like, that is also a really, really subjective point. Like, yeah. I'm saying I don't want them to get the wrong idea from that. Is it my place to decide what the wrong idea for, from that? But I have to turn into... I have to turn off an intersection from the highway that, on particularly the nice weekends, there's a one of those prop-up tents or whatever, and someone's selling Confederate flags on that corner. And... You know, and they're not even like, you know what I mean? It's it's tacky.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and I think a lot of people don't realize that the uh, that typical flag that you see was not the Confederate flag. That yeah, was the battle flag. it's the
1: it's the Virginia battle flag.
0: Yeah, like. Um, but I mean, I can see those. Definitely, there's certain things like the statues in built in the '50s and '60s. I think those are similar to what we were talking about with Helen. That's not necessarily preserving history. It, that's yeah, kind of like covering it up with what you want it to be.
1: Yeah, you're pe- you painting and preserving a different side of history. Or not necessarily a different side of history, but like one specific part of it, and you're kind of capitalizing it to send a message. And Yeah. And like uh, the movement to take those down and move them to like a museum in Arkansas or whatever the hell ever. Um, yeah, sure, that's fine. Because then you got I was about to say, that's...
0: I was going to say, that's one thing that I think would be a pretty compromising ideas. There's obviously a lot of people who don't like these statues. There's obviously a lot of people who really like them. Do I think we should necessarily destroy them? Uh, and I'm speaking more towards the uh, the older ones, but uh, maybe some of the ones in the 50s and 60s, too. Sure, whatever. But, yes, put them in a centralized museum, Then people who want to see them go see them. Yeah. And the people who don't want to see them don't have to go see them.
1: Yeah. And, and you know what? That's perfectly fine. I guess, uh,
0: and I do think it's important not to forget history completely. You never want to do that. Now, I'm not saying that the people who want to, the statues taken down are arguing for that. I think they very well want to preserve history, but they want to preserve, you know, their side of history as well.
1: Yeah, because again, a large part of the history that it's <clears throat> it's it's kind of the the versus type, like history versus history. It's like when you, when you look at the, the, a lot of the crowd that was celebrated for the statues and such, um, by and large were erasing the history of those that they oppressed. So by, by the oppression, a lot of that history was lost. So it's not necessarily a preservation of history. It's more of a reclamation or a reclaiming. That sounds more of a real word of their history or a uh, celebration of a current culture based off of building on what was lost. So the existence of the statues is kind of a reminder that like we could, it's kind of like when the library of Alexandria and how people are really burnt up about that because like, Oh, we could have been so much better off if uh, that just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. and it's like that same point could be made that you know
0: that's like essentially i mean he gathered all those books by you know his tour of you know uh, the areas he conquered right what's that the library of alexandria Mm -hmm. wasn't that kind of you know that was created by his tour through all the areas he conquered right or am i completely off with that
1: yeah, that one's a little off. uh the Library of Alexandria was made more of a sense of when people said, like, "Hey, look, I got a book." They would take it, copy it down, give them the copy, and then they would keep that book. So oh, all of, what I said <laughs> all of the knowledge that was in it still may have existed elsewhere, but the comprehensive collected version of it was lost. Um, yeah. And it's kind of hard to find knowledge if it's not really compiled in one location or an easily operable location. Um, see the internet. Uh,
0: so I was, I was going to say, um, so circling back around, and this is kind of like, you know, obviously this topic's a little bit bleak. So I'm going to circle back around to a kind of a different note on the topic. But, you know, we talked about, you know, we think... We, for the example of Millville, they should make the asylum into a museum. Mm-hmm. Now, what are some other ways you think you could preserve local history? And one of the ideas I actually had come up with was like when I was driving around Raleigh, I ended up in this uh, kind of like a weird area I had not noticed before. It was even though it's it's in the middle of this area that I go around all the time, I've just never been over there, right? And they have a bunch of really cool old buildings. And I was like trying to figure out what the heck it was and what it is because it totally looks like something they built a long time ago that has been, you know, repurposed now. But, you know, they didn't really have that many historical reference signs or whatever. Um, But it's like, you know, how, I mean, this little area, I don't think many people in the area know about it. Mm -hmm. Yet they circle around it all day long, right? So, how could you get more people into the area and just kind of like be more aware of? You know, kind of like the local history. And one of the ideas I was thinking of, and this because it's kind of particular to me because I like disc golf, but I was like, they have a huge open fields in this area as well. I was like, you can make like a little disc golf course here, you know, attract people in. Uh, basically, the only cost of disc golf courses is really just, you know, the initial buying of the baskets and pouring the pads or whatever. But after that, there's really, I mean, that's the beauty of disc golf. There's no upkeep, really. Mm-hmm. No one's going to complain because they're playing for free.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and if uh, trees fall, that's just a new obstacle.
0: Yeah. So it's not really that big on the upkeep. Maybe, like, when you cut the grass already anyway, you know, that's your upkeep, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of it, you could also have, like, tips, donations, whatever, going towards. There's, There's, like, the local food bank is there as well, so you could also, you know, have that go towards that. But I was like, I would bring people in, you know, and just see the area, learn about the area. Not to mention, hopefully you'd get some tips. I don't know how much that would equate to, but it would just bring the community in there and you would offer something to the community and stuff like that. I think, uh, for it de- uh, obviously, it depends on what kind of local history you're trying to preserve. You obviously need some vast land for this, but, um, like, for that example, I think disc golf would work well.
1: Yeah. Um. To be honest... I'm not sure like and that's I know that's not really exactly helpful in any way that's not helpful in but any way. <laughs> like I spent my like college career in a history degree and you know so what
0: gets you excited about history
1: nothing <laughs> admittedly when the professor
0: says no essays
1: <laughs> like it's it's like maybe that's I mean that's largely just based off of my academic experience and where I'm at now but like You know i just i don't know because like i'm every time i'm i'm picturing like a downtown scene or something like that or like oh there is stuff to go read and etc and it's like well i'm just picturing like okay class well i have an optional extra credit thing to go do and i'm just picturing a bunch of people just like rushing through with a um like, what history a work, or like a worksheet or something to fill out the questions, or a, yeah, like a, the typical crowd trips. of people at the end. Like, well, I didn't get this one, what did you get? Like, I'm picturing like how to get around that because, like, because I liked all that stuff, or I liked like learning about it, I liked history, and like, but I still see it as a how, like, I don't know how to get other people into it. Um, I'll
0: say to me, like I'm thinking back on the elementary and middle school field trips where you went to a museum and when they give you this stupid worksheet, that almost like discouraged me from enjoying the museum. Cause I'm like, I got to find these stupid answers. Yeah.
1: And, and, and that just wraps back around to like what, like testing is ruining education for what education is for. But how else are we going to hold people accountable? I don't know. We, we, I can't solve that right now, but you that's know, a whole nother catch that is, up with That's Brad a Lake's whole topic. nother just chicken <laughs> on its own. But, yeah, so it's... I just have a hard time picturing how to get other people into history just from a full, just front. Because, like, those who are interested are interested in it. Those who are passionate about it are passionate about it. And it's a tough to- topic to sell. Like, like, those who are passionate about math and stuff like that, like, I understand, like, why they're passionate about it. But when you sit me down in, in an algebra class or something like that, I just... <laughs> that's it and yeah so it's kind of like if you're if there are people you've so what you got to do to get people interested in it is find an angle that they like and like the only thing that i really liked about history to start was was the history of firearms and that's the only reason why i did it if and, you
0: could relate every town to firearms and yeah, that'd be cool <laughs> and
1: like that was my leg in and a lot of reason why i like the history of appalachia is because it's a very like geographical and geological history and those things I like as well. Like I like maps and turns out history's got a kind of them, you know? So it's like that's what got me into it. And even then, like when I had to start learning about all the other crap, you know, like <laughs> it's that's when I started like oh, I don't disliking it. This is yeah, and and then of course like getting burnout out in a subject kinda does that too. So I
0: Yeah, that's like if you were like on vacation and like Maybe if you were on vacation and you are like, okay, we're going to, you know, this city, we've got three history museums planned for today. Yeah. But yeah. if you were like, oh, well, let's just go to a history museum for like, you know, three or four hours. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, depending on the size of it, maybe just one hour. Yeah. And I, you know, that's pretty digestible. You're like, okay, that'd be cool to learn about the city that I'm visiting.
1: Yeah. And like the, the Vasa museum in Stockholm, that was really cool. Like, it, it's about uh, a big old ship that they had. And it was quite literally, like, the biggest ship commissioned uh, <laughs> for a while. And then, like, right after the christening of it, it sank. And because it was in the Baltic Sea, and that's a salty-ass sea, uh, it preserved. So they were able to lift it out and uh, build a whole museum around it. That was pretty dope. Like, so, you know, I I I really don't know. Like That's
0: why I was kind of thinking the disc golf thing. You're, like... Indirectly pulling them in, it's like, oh, they're coming in for disc golf. Mm-hmm. What else happens to be on the little bulletin board showing you the map? Yeah. Oh, also like a little piece about the, you know, this area, why it's, uh, why it's even here. Yeah. Why it's significant. Um, I don't know, just a uh, little stuff like that, or maybe like, uh, I you mean, know, gray, maybe the,
1: like I think the old Clinton battlefields or whatever they used to have like reenactments and such yeah and get I think people they did. out there,
0: but if you ask me why haddock's there, I can tell um, you actually I actually do know actually really, <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, you know antebellum period there was a really rich person who owned pretty much haddock mm-hmm. um and you know land and you know uh money got passed down until one day uh a daughter got it, and she donated a lot of land, one to like a you know fire department a post office, basically to make it city if you can call it a city yeah she a lot of the land is still under their name Mm -hmm. and she owns trisha ann one and trisha ann two both antique shops oh of course (laughs) which makes up half of the commerce in the town it does (laughs) so uh i mean you know that one's not very stupendous uh history and that would definitely be a quick museum if you made one
1: yeah for real
0: (laughs) but um you know, it's it's interesting to know.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, it gives context, and context tends to make things more interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, you never know what kind of weird, peculiar piece of history you might find for your local town. And you know what? I think if a town does have a weird, peculiar piece of history, like, you know, how Dahlonega claim clings to the gold rush? Mm-hmm. You know, if that's something that they have, sure, use it. Everybody in Georgia knows that Dahlonega has a mini gold rush there, yeah. had a mini gold rush there. So, I mean, uh, I guess that's pretty effective. And I guess just, like, a lot of the commerce in Dahlonega also shows that off. And I think that's something you could do. Like, if you own a restaurant downtown, you could have a menu item that's, like, the uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something good.
1: <laughs> I mean, I can go ahead and beat you to it. They already have them. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure, like, even the the... The Hoka Hoga, like the um, the Golden Lemonade. It's it's not like a uh, it's not really Japanese. It's kind of a pan Asian menu, but they're sushi uh, they have a sushi roll named after like the Gold Rush Roll or something like that. Uh, yeah,
0: little stuff like that. I think uh, you know that just kind of like it, sure it probably just passes by a lot of people, but I mean if you see it enough, you're gonna be like think this town has something to do with gold (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think so
1: (laughs) I think if I remember it correctly uh, there were two mining towns I mean like Dahlonega is not the only one obviously but this region was I think there
0: was a lot of little mining outlets in the Georgia mountains but I think the main one was Dahlonega right yeah
1: so the town was originally Auraria where everybody was going to and Dahlonega was like the crappy one like where <laughs> all the people go to fight and the saloons and such Sloan and fights. And yeah. Like and then eventually like the, I think the, the lot, the, what is it called? A vein, the vein in uh, Auraria kind of tapped out and then Delanaga wound up continuing to have gold. So that one wound up developing more. And that's why Delanaga was the chosen one. Delanaga is also named Delanaga because the, uh, I believe it is Cherokee. The Cherokee word for gold is Talonaga or something close oh, to okay. it, Uh so we've...
0: And we couldn't pronounce T's back then. So yeah, we went, uh, the, t- le- the, guy, the letter the guy T tra- wasn't
1: invented yet, so...
0: The guy who translated had a bad lisp.
1: Uh, real bad lisp to swap his uh D's and T's. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, I don't think that's what a lisp does, but... Yeah, no. I already said it. We're going we're gonna to run with it. We're going <laughs> to run with it.
1: Um, But yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty minor detail, but... There you go. Now the history of Dahlonega is that one lady owns pretty much everything. And if you want to rent a house uh, and you don't want to go through her, tough shit, sorry.
0: (laughs) Um,
1: Her house literally, there's a ridge above the rest of town. Her house is literally right in the middle of it. It's huge. It's kind of comedic almost on how it's very like Scooby-Doo type or... Like,
0: like it almost looks like a you, castle going up a windy path, up a yeah,
1: exactly, and like I, and she has a great Dane, like I always joke like when we crest the hill, it's like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like lightning behind it, or something, just because of uh the placing of it is hilarious, um, but you know
0: what else, I think works pretty good, what. When you have like a annual local festival like Macon has the Cherry Blossom Festival. Yeah. You no doubt there's going to be some tents that have something about local history. There or is Milledgeville's Deep Roots or there, what was it called? Sweetwater?
1: It or used to that? be Sweetwater.
0: Now it's Deep Roots. Yeah. Uh
1: I think pretty much every town in Georgia has one. Uh I think that's a pretty Because we were driving through it was ages ago but it was like some town on 75 and we pulled through and it was the Fire Ant Festival and I was like, "What?" <laughs> But, um, yeah, Dahlonega is, the, of course, the gold rush. and
0: This town was settled by fire ants originally. But we it, needless it, to stay, oh we stomped them out.
1: Like, they're just big old giant <laughs> fire ants. Um, But, like, Dahlonega has that, and they also have bear on the square in the spring, which bear on the square is, like, there was a time in which a bear got on the square. Town. And, oh. like, it... <laughs> I guess it rose hell for the day, but it's, they honor it by playing like local music and stuff like that. And Gold Rush, there are a lot of local musicians that come out and they're playing and such like that. Like Gold Rush is, I like to be out of town for that weekend, admittedly, because there's so many people that come into town. Um, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, sometimes local those local
0: festivals, such. the locals leave.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: but it depends. I think uh Sweetwater's mostly locals. Yeah. Um, and G- uh, i think it's good i think it worked well from millageville because a lot of gc and su students end up going and getting involved and of course they don't necessarily know millageville's mm-hmm. local history because a lot of them are from atlanta
1: well also the local history type stuff or like those festivals like i like to get out of town because there's not a whole lot of exit strategies in dahlonega <laughs> Milledgeville, however you got a few and, yeah, you just yeah, avoid that And, like, Macon also. Like, you just avoid that. In Dahlonega, that's kind of a different story. Um, like, one of the people I used to live with, uh, her house was on a road that was blocked off by the one road that was shut off. And mm. she had a hard time going to work that day because, like, <laughs> she had to get out of town and her commute was upwards to an hour. And she did not live an hour away from the place she worked at. Because she had to like wait for people to keep going, she had to wait for a cop to show up. Like, it was tough.
0: You probably had to get escorted out pretty
1: much Um, because, like, I guess they didn't really think about the consequences of closing down that residential area at that point. But you know, whatever. Hmm. Um, I think we've actually ran a pretty decent time on this one.
0: Yeah, we did. I was gonna mention one more thing. Like, uh, I was gonna say, like, the fair does a pretty good job too when you go to the Perry Fair. Yeah. They're usually, uh, touting, you know, different local histories from different towns mm-hmm. through like the 4-H and FFA sections.
1: Yeah, actually, we walked through that last time we were there, and that was actually pretty interesting because like, they had like a little project thing that was like what is this county known for? What is this county known for? And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like the, what each county was known for exporting and st- such like that.
0: Yeah, so uh, I guess we can prepare the outro. I'm going to end it with, you know what, I'm going to encourage you listeners to look up your own local history. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, you know, comment on our Facebook about what you learned. Something. What's interesting about where you're from? What do you find most Uh, peculiar you know Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm also going to leave another book suggestion you can always uh, use audible using our tag and that will support us and it won't cost you anything extra to support us Uh, but you do the free trial and if you want to keep it you keep going with it Um, and maybe you can find the book called but for the grace of God the inside story of the world's largest insane asylum uh, written by Dr. Peter G Cranford uh, the chief clinical psychologist at the ho- uh, at the hospital in 1952. And that's if, if you want to learn a little bit more about the insane asylum in Mildesville for yourself.
1: Huh, did you say, but for the grace of God?
0: That's what it starts with. I'm
1: pretty sure I I used to own that book, I think. <laughs> because, uh,
0: no, you should donate it to a listener Cause I, <laughs> if um, you still have it.
1: I doubt it, but I think I used it for um, a paper that I wrote a while back. And, um, I use it as a reference. Hmm. Huh. So, that yeah. So. comes full circle.
0: Recommended by a historian.
1: Yeah, well, historian by, ti- uh, uh, title alone, I guess.
0: By degree.
1: By degree, yeah. On paper, historian. <laughs> Not much in
0: practice. <laughs> still recommended. And it was, it was I imagine it maybe it was recommended by one of your professors at one time. Why did you pick up the book? I
1: had Just to write a, a I was writing a paper. <laughs> like I mean I chose to write about Millagel, but uh Oh,
0: speaking of which, I was going to add in one last thing. So there's an antique shop that it moved. It was the one next to Ace Hardware downtown and now it moved to the one like now it's right across from the brick, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so when you first walk in there, that first section on the right is kind of like a little section on the uh on the insane asylum in Millville, and they actually have like a like an old straight jacket on a mannequin. Oh, thing. cool! It looks pretty tight. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, like literally tight. Oh, I mean, yeah, I imagine. <laughs> uh So that's what I'm signing off with. Do you have anything? Also, whoa, 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 before you get to yours, don't don't rush me, okay? <laughs> nope. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, also, if you have any suggestions for a, you know, taste test tournament, or it doesn't even necessarily have to be taste, it could just be some tournament, but I'm kind of leaning towards taste test tournament. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd like to see? Uh, personally, I'd like to veer away from having differing flavors, because, you know, that can be opinionated, whether I like this flavor versus this flavor. It does make but it But maybe tough. something of all the same flavor and see which one does it better. Mm-hmm. So if you have suggestions for that, feel free to list it on Facebook. Yeah, and we'll pick out the best one. Yes, or or we'll come up with our own. <laughs> Either way,
1: <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I don't you really. Have anything? I yeah, actually, um, I don't. Uh, your yours was pretty. You were on the nose. Uh, yours was relevant. You tied in audacity, audacity, audible, audible. Where you? I don't necessarily. It's because I'm looking. Audacity. I'm literally looking at the audacity app. Um, but. Yeah, I think yours was good. I'm going to ride on the all your coattails.
0: All right, my coattails. Yeah,
1: your coattails. That's for the uh, Atlanta episode.
0: No, I meant cocaine. Oh, that's
1: still for, that's the, Atlanta for the Atlanta episode, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: All right, uh, so this is us signing out, Cody Meeks. This
1: is Cole, and uh, we'll uh, see you all later.
0: See ya.